You're listening to SM Media, the number one place for exclusive Scottish football content. Hi folks and welcome to the latest episode of the SM Media Scottish Football Show. I'm Scott McPike, it's an absolute pleasure to be your host as always. We've got a great panel this week, I'm looking forward to this one, but delighted to be joined by it. It's a pleasure to welcome on in his debut, Vinny Ferguson. Vinny, welcome to the show, it's a pleasure. Thanks very much for having me along, Scott. Um, yeah, feel honoured to be asked along, so uh, hopefully we'll have an interesting evening ahead of yeah, us. Yeah, I'm honoured to have you on, it's a pleasure, I'm looking forward to this as well. And it's a pleasure to welcome on, making his debut as well. The St Cuthbert Wanderers manager, Josh Gardner. Josh, I've been trying to get you on for ages, but we've finally got it. You're on the pod. <laughs> it's a pleasure. Thanks for joining me. Ah, mate, you must be scraping the barrel now, now that you've got me on, to be honest. You must be scraping it. But listen, we'll try and get the viewers up. Well, um, if I start bringing them down, Vinny will bring them back up. Don't worry about that. It's going to be a good one. There's a lot to get through, and obviously there's there's some things, obviously, during the week that's that's happened, and obviously we'll, we'll get your thoughts on that later on, and a massive week. I would say probably between the men's and the women's game, I think this is one of the, the most busiest weeks in Scottish football I think we've seen for a long, long time. But we'll get into that later on. But Josh, I want to start with you. Obviously, the St. Cuthbert's defending champions in the south of Scotland obviously went there in the summer. A lot of transition. Obviously, Jordan had took uh, the ex-manager had obviously went to Dobiti, took a lot of players with him. So I think you went in with a kind of blank canvas. How's it been so far, obviously, taking the job, first of all, and two wins so far in the league? How how you found it? How's it been so far? Um, I'm not going to lie. To be honest, it's been really hard. It's been difficult. Um, probably the hardest part about it is, and it's never something that I've struggled with in previous teams, to be honest with you, but the hardest part I've found is recruitment. Mm-hmm. Um, so, obviously, you've not got a large scope of players in that region of Kirkcubbery either. Um, you're trying to get the best players you can from the the Fries area. But they're even 35, 40 minutes away from where we are. So it's still, they've, they've probably got people close around about that they could go to as well. Um, and then you're trying to get central belt guys in and then try to use some of my senior links as well to try and get a couple of loans in. So I've got a couple in for Queen of the South. Um, the bulk of the team is from the central belt, to mm-hmm. be honest with you. Um but again, you're even limited there, the guys you can get, because the guys that you're trying to get for the central belt, we leave at quarter past five um, for Lanarkshire. So you're, you're needing guys that are going to finish their work on time to actually come down. So yeah, the scope of players that you're looking at there halves again, because the time the time people finish work and stuff. So it's, it's the most challenging aspect that I've ever had in terms of recruitment. And then add into the fact that most of the teams in the league are They've been together for a few seasons. Um, they know each other and we've just put all these boys together. And a lot of them are young players trying to find their way in the game. So we're kind of, we're all kind of learning on the job and it's been challenging, to be honest with you. But I do see light at the end of the tunnel. I do, especially in recent performances, I see, I do see a bit of progression there. It's just maybe happened, it's maybe taking a wee bit longer than I thought it was going to take. Um, and I'll be honest, I didn't anticipate the rebuild was going to be as big. Mm-hmm. 
is where it was going to be after Jordan left. I did expect a few more people to resign. Turns out when I got in there, that wasn't the case, and you just have to roll it and roll your sleeves up and get the boys in that you can. And the boys we've got are brilliant. Like every one of them are great lads, um, and they all do really what to learn. They want to do well. They want to be footballers. They want to try and go as high as they can. And they've all got the potential to do it. But for me, I always say that the individual success will come with team success, and we just need to try and work hard together as a group to piece it together and, and we are working hard we're working as hard as we possibly can and we're trying to bridge the gaps that are there and I do think we're on our way to do that it's just been a bit of a stuttering start to be honest with you um, but we're on we're, I think we're on the road um, saying that we picked up nearly a lot about seven injuries on Saturday so you think you're on the road and then you fall right off that train track but that's just part of football that's just the way it is Absolutely, aye. and obviously we'll we'll get your thoughts later on, and obviously what's coming up a busy couple of weeks for in the south, and obviously we'll touch on that yeah. later on. But we'll get into the action in the Premiership. We've a lot to get through here, and a lot of dramatic games to to go through. We'll start with McDermott Park on Saturday afternoon, where I mean we saw everything in this game. We didn't see it. It wasn't a great spectacle. I don't think we'll be putting this game in the Hall of Fame as in terms of <laughs> a kind of visual spectacle, but it was a very dramatic. Celtic took the league. I Celtic obviously made their changes again. We'll get into that in a few minutes. But Celtic took the league through an own goal from Andy Considine at forty-two minutes. It looked as if they were going to drag it out. It looked as if they were going to get the results. But St. Johnson dug their heels in. They got a what we thought was a late equaliser. We thought they'd snatched a point through Mitchell. But two minutes after that, ninety-five minutes on the clock, George's Jackamakis gave Celtic a dramatic 2-1 victory and saw them keep their lead at the top of the table. Vinny, I'm going to start with you. In terms of a Celtic performance, it was like the last two in the league. I don't think it was a I don't think it was vintage Celtic. I thought it was very flat. I thought there was a a lot missing. I think McGregor is going to be a huge miss and we'll get going to that as well. But the result is all that matters. And come May, if Celtic win this title, they're going to look at this game and think that was one of the games where we wrapped that title up. Yeah, I think you've hit the nail on the head there. I think, you know, the, the positive PR side of that will say that it wasn't classic Ange ball, but yeah. they managed to find a way to, to, to get the result. Um, <clears throat> and, you know, even, even the way the goals came about, they're... they're they're not flashy goals. There's, you know, obviously the, the Considine own goal has come from some good work, but um, it's it's Jamie Murphy loses loses his man, um, uh, and so it's a, a wee bit of luck there. And then even with the the late winner, um, I, f- I forget which uh, St Johnston player it is that get, is is injured. Now I think any other point in the game, the referee probably stops the game for that because the 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 ball's coming towards him and he's had to pull out from kicking it because he's, he's hurt himself. So it, it's completely affected the play. But, you know, the, the, one of the first things you, you hear, and, and Josh, you'll know this from all your work with development teams and whatnot, of you, you play to the whistle. And that's exactly what Celtic did and, and St. Johnson didn't. And, uh, you know, is is those wee fine margins that, that creates champions. Um, and you, you wonder if... Um, if you know Celtic will point to that and say, look, we, we came through that without McGregor, without playing our best football, but they got the result in the end. And yeah, you're, you're spot on. If they win the title, they'll look back at key games like that. And uh, yeah, they got over the line in the end. 
Josh, the, the two positives I would take from a Celtic perspective are the fact that the result was all that mattered. They got the, the result. Going to McDermott place parts another it's never an easy place to go. So getting a, a win is the be all and end all. But one thing I will say about this Celtic team is, is that obviously McGregor's missing. That's a big blow. The Champions League is it's beginning to take shape. That I think there's a difference there with this Celtic team. You are seeing the squad being rotated. They made six changes as well. With the likes of like Haskabanovic, he came on, he done really well. Uh, Bernabe, the left-back, I thought was was good as well. You have that squad rotation. You're going to have to use that squad. So it's, it must be a positive chance, despite the performance not being brilliant. Those guys coming in and fitting right in was would have been probably a, another positive for us to take. I actually thought the Callum McGregor one was an interesting one, how he Ange dealt with it, to be honest, because I, I, I think everyone was sort of thinking like, Will we bring the new boy in? I can't see his last his name is Abigold. Abigold. People are saying will we bring him, or will we play Hatati a bit deeper or O'Reilly? And I, I thought it was quite interesting. He almost added an, another attacker. Yeah, it's like a sort of a combat to that. Um, when I seen the team, I, I was quite excited about. It. Obviously, I'm a Celtic fan, so I was I was quite happy to see that. And I've liked the look of Hasbanovic. I thought he's looked pretty I thought decent he was really during good the game. I, th- I thought he was really good, sadly. I think the big, I think a wee problem that Celtic have had in the last couple of weeks is they've not been taking chances where normally they've been burying teams in that opening half hour. And you go back to the, I think Abada had a really good chance um, where it was squared across to him. He then had one later on in the half and he didn't really look, in the second half, he didn't look really convincing. He sort of like scoffed at the shot and the keepers made a save. And I just think there's sometimes in that area, and it's even shown in Europe as well, that in Europe we're not taking chances and I think that's probably a bigger problem for me that what I can see than maybe the likes of losing McGregor listen that's massive because I think there's certain guys in that Celtic team who we can't afford to lose Yeah, Cameron Carter-Vickers is one of them and Callum McGregor's the other um, and I do worry for us slightly on that front but I just think if they could just take their chances it just doesn't seem to be as fluid as as fast as it was, and we're not really burying teams as quick as we were. And I think some Celtic fans need to take a bit of a realistic approach. It's not going to be like that every game. Like that's if I listen, if management was that easy and that's how brilliant it was, then I mean we wouldn't have be going grey haired. I'm going grey haired already. <laughs> just and I'm only a few years in. So if it was that easy every week, trust me, we would be flying. But it's it's not going to be like that and you're going to need to dig in you're going to need to win the games at St Johnston and I, I remember we done one at Rugby Park against Kilmarnock a few seasons ago when Brown scored the winner mm-hmm. and it's the same way like when Rangers won when Rangers won the, the 55 league title like they would have had games during that point but they never played well but they dug out the result and that is you've got to take confidence for that because better days will come but you need to keep picking up the points when you're not playing well and that's the big part for me and that was the pleasing aspect for me um, I just Hope we kick into second gear because I don't want to do that every week. And that's the thing as well. Like, I thought I think the form- formation's an interesting one, Josh. Like obviously <laughs> for a tactical point of view, it looked like when I when I look at Matt O'Reilly, for example, the one thing I don't think of is he's a he's a kind of holding midfielder. Mm-hmm. But he played it pretty well. Like he was in yeah, there. He was the the thing that always caught my eye with McGregor is, and I think he's improved massively in terms of a leadership presence. I I when Brown retired, I thought, is McGregor going to be able to do that? I think he has, but what the the McGregor thing that always stood out to me, he's kind of tended to be more a pivot in that number kind of six mm-hmm. position. 
now O'Reilly and Hatati, I thought O'Reilly was actually, and I'm a huge fan of Matt O'Reilly, but I was thinking, right, if he, he's going a bit deeper, are you going to lose that forward side of him? But I thought he actually handled it pretty well. But it is going to be massive because this this whole from now until the World Cup, it's game after game after game. Yeah. That squad is that squad is going to have to be used all the time, rotated all the time. You saw, for example, like I'm just going through the substitutes here. Like you look at it this way: Abelgard come on at sixty-eight minutes, Moy come on at sixty-eight minutes, Forrest come on at sixty-eight minutes, McCarthy come on at eighty-two minutes. Now James McCarthy, I don't think has hit the heights we thought he would. But for that eight minutes, he was very effective. And that's what Ange needs. He needs that squad. Every player coming out of that squad is going to have to take that as an opportunity because they're going to get the game time. The squad's going to be jigged about so they will. So you look at Kyogo. Kyogo didn't get used as well. And it shows you that despite being 1-0 up and not not with St. Johnson, I mean, we haven't really said about St. Johnson. St. Johnson I think St. Johnson's have a lot of credit because they took the game to Celtic and they, they were... Going for oh, the, I, the I thought Stevie May, especially. I thought yeah. Stevie May was very positive in his play. But just touching on what you said with James McCarthy, because Vinny made a great point about playing playing to the whistle and how important that is. Out of the three players that were sort of around about that area where the ball dropped, the one guy that did play to the whistle was James McCarthy. And yeah. he was on that ball. And if he if he's not aware of that and he's no he's not alert to it. Then the goal never happens, and then it, that sort of sparks everything else into life. Then Bernabe goes in the overlap run, he gets slid in, and then everybody's just piling into the box. And I was buzzing for big Jackie Marcus, to be honest. We are my big fan of his, but I think if you remember right, he missed a penalty. I think it was at Park Kevin, mate, because it done the United, and a lot of people were writing him off at that point, if you remember. So the fact that he can go and score the crucial goals and really turn the corner that way. Um, I was buzzing for the big man. I, I really like him. Like, really like him a lot. Of, I know Kyogo gets a lot of the plaudits, but for me, I love Big Jack and Marcus. I think he's a bit of a throwback guy. Just is that penalty box? Right? Is that penalty box striking? And we're about to talk talk about another one in a minute. But you're going to you're not going to get George's Jack and Marcus and Kyogo Furuhashi. We spoke about this at the start of the season. They're not going to be. You're you're, you're getting something totally different when you play. You, you're not going to get the exact like for like when you play one or the other. It's going to be a completely different game. And I think it was very telling that Jack and Marcus played the full 90 minutes because Kyogo, for example, will play Tuesday night. There's no doubt about that. Yeah. Kyogo will be more focused. Like Kyogo will be better in that type of game where you're going to have more of the ball. like Not more of the ball, essentially, but you're going to have more space to attack. We saw against Leipzig. I thought Leipzig were very good in Wednesday night. Uh, they were good. They were good. They were... But, but Celtic, again, no... as you're saying, Celtic are creating chances. Mm-hmm. And that's the thing, that's very telling. Vinny, before we get into the next game, what is your kind of overall take on the on St. Johnson? Do you think they were that I my takeaway for St. Johnson is they dug in and dug in. They didn't deserve to lose that game. It was just that I think that'll be I think that Callum Davidson will be feeling rotten and they'll just feel that the luck gods are against them. Yeah, I mean they they, they got away with it uh last year and it was uh, refreshing in a way to see that Callum Davidson Getting the opportunity to, to stay on mm-hmm. and and try and rebuild things. Obviously, if you're St. Johnson manager and you win a cup double, <laughs> like yeah. where do you go from there? Um, and obviously, the last season was a bit of a washout, but they, you know they got away with it. They they had horrendous injury issues, and then the the way things went in the January transfer window, particularly with Kerr leaving, you know that was absolutely crucial. So it was a really really tough year for for them all. 
So it was nice to see Davidson getting, um, you know, getting a shout for for this year. And uh, Josh, you mentioned him, Stevie May for me. Just his, it's it's like Stevie May from, you know, when, when he was bursting through as a teenager. It's really really nice to see. Um, you know, I I don't think he'll be trouble in the, the Scotland squad um, in quite the way he, he maybe was uh, being touted for when he was younger. But um, he he was terrific yesterday, um, and uh, I think Davidson is. Is, is you know doing an okay job. I think they'll be fine this year, um, and it will take time to to rebuild because they lost so many key players. Um, but yeah, I think yesterday, you know, on Saturday, they they did do well. It's you know, you know, from my experience and watching my team against the, the old firm, it's uh, it's uh, you you have that mentality of thinking. Is it a free hit or do we just try and sit back? But it was refreshing to see them, you know, go for it. And, you know, when Stevie May was was involved, he, he was crucial to that. I thought it was really interesting, the, the few chances St. Johnston had before they scored, the amount of Celtic players who were back in the box. Yeah. Um, and I think that was quite telling. Um, I, I didn't see the full game, but I, I watched the extended highlights and um, you could see them just getting deeper and deeper and deeper. And I, I think that's quite indicative of, of, of the pressure that St. Johnson were putting on them. So, yeah, you're, in, in a way, you're gutted for them. But, um, you know, as Partick Thistle fans, a, a lot of people see us as cuddly and, um, you know, oh, everyone's got a soft spot for Thistle. Thistle fans are some of the most bitter fans you'll ever meet. So seeing another provincial team uh, failing at the last minute like that is, is, is quite nice. It's just the same. It's against one of the old firm. And we'll get to Partick Thistle later on because I want to get <laughs> your got, um... See, just on St Johnston there as well, it was good to see the young boy, the Ukrainian boy, Maxi Kurychev, getting a yeah. So he was um he was actually on loan at Breton last year. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think he went to Kelty. The, he the did, went to Kelty, there. yeah. But um, my mate played with him um at Breton, and he spoke really highly of him. And the boys sort of, I was really pleased to see him on the team sheet. To be honest with you, starting just really talented player, really yeah. talented. Um. And he's been through obviously a tough time. Obviously, his family's in the Ukraine and stuff, and he lives here himself. And he's like, he's he's really took it. He's took the hard route in football. And it was just a wee for him. I was buzzing to see him get a bit of recognition and come in and do well. And what a game to get your your shout to come in as well. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, so absolutely. I was really buzzing for him. But I think he's one to look out for. I think he's a really really talented boy. Um, I know he was wrapped up in the Highlands League, but no disrespect to the Highlands League, but he was. He's brilliant. He's really good, and I think he's one to keep an eye on. But I, I hope he continues to progress. And it's good that St. Johnston are giving the guys a chance. Absolutely, yeah. I think that's a. I, I think the Callum Davidson will take a lot of positives, as you say, like the likes of Kenan Mitchell coming in and scoring. The uh, the boy, the boy we're mentioning there. I, I can't. I'm not going to pronounce his name, but I know he's. I, you know him. I just know him as Wee Maxie. We'll just yeah, Wee Maxie. Wee, Wee Maxie. <laughs> I thought he was actually pretty good. And he, he's, guess what? I've got a couple of mates at Kelby and I was, he, they were always saying they were very pleased with him and how well he'd done. So, particularly under the situation he was in. So, fair play to him. But that's a, it's a huge one for Celtic. And I think Alan Davidson will take a lot of positives from it. But the other side of Glasgow, Rangers, Force and Marin now. Antonio Cholak, we're as well just calling this the Antonio Cholak segment because we seem to talk about him all the time. We will again. 4-0 display, Tavernier with a penalty and Sakala finishing it off late on. Vinny, I'll come to you for this. A solid Rangers display. I don't think there was a lot of difference in terms of how they played. I thought it was just relatively solid. I thought it was a lot more positive. You saw like Matondo and Sakala coming in. 
looked pretty good. I think it was it's maybe a, a good sign that they're coming in and using that opportunity well. I thought Sakala was really good. And Cholak again with a double. Before, before we'll talk about Cholak in a minute, but Vinny, it was a relatively routine day for Rangers. Um yeah, it's a bit of a funny one because you know, I spoke about Ange Ball that Celtic fans are used to, and I think with Van Bronckhorst, um you know, the successes in Europe last year were indicative of a, a really more pragmatic approach and mm-hmm. uh, being a wee bit more sensible and structured yeah. and whatnot. But this weekend we saw almost these uh, the, the switch there. Uh, Rangers were a wee bit more forward thinking and uh, they certainly got their, their rewards. Um, yeah, I, I, th- I think, uh, you know, Ryan Jack in particular, mm-hmm. uh, seeing him getting so far up the pitch as well is 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 great. I'm 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 a massive Scotland fan and I think we've got a great problem with Scotland at the moment and that we've got an abundance of very talented midfielders. And uh, we're massive Billy Gilmore fans in this house. And you know, in that last wee uh, international break we were talking about Ryan Jack being ahead of Billy Gilmore because he's he's for me ahead of him in, in the pecking order obviously he's he's playing a lot more regularly than Gilmore but um you know for him to be ousted in, in our mindset that, that says something. So it was good to see him with a really positive display as well. Um Cholak, will we move on to him? I think as I think the the thing with Cholak is and Josh I'm keen to bring you in on this as well. Cholak will score goals. We've seen that his movement in the box is terrific. I think if, and I'm using this on Wednesday night as an example, Giovanni Van Bronckhorst has to start Antonio Cholak. Not because he might not be the perfect person to deal with Virgil van Dijk and whoever's going to play. I think it will probably be Matip again. But when you've got a guy in that good form, and he brought Morelos in, and I was I agreed with the Morelos decision. I thought at the time Morelos coming in against Liverpool would make the most sense. He didn't have a good game. So now... You've got to play Cholak. You've got to play Cholak because he will feed off scraps. And we see here, we we saw today with this Liverpool team. This Liverpool team are not. Although they were really, it was a really easy game for them on Wednesday. This Liverpool team are there to be got at, particularly at the back. So to have somebody there who will feed off scraps, similar to Jack Marcus, who I think is a perfect example of this as well. Cholak will feed off anything in that box. So getting chances in could be a a thing there. I, th- I would I start think, with Cholak. Yeah, I think I think that's. Uh, a really interesting point, like you, Scott. I, I saw the, yeah, I saw the idea behind having Morelos starting last week. He's going to be able to get you free kicks high up the park or win throw-ins and, and whatnot. And whilst Cholak was on form, um, you know, I think Rangers realised they would be limited in the amount of times they could get the ball into the box. Yeah, and that. that However, that. I think it, it will be different at Ibrox. Um, you know, I, th- I think they will be trying to be more on the front foot. Take the game to Liverpool. Um, Ken, Kenny Miller, for um, you know, regardless of what you may think of him as as, as a player or as an individual, he he made a really good point in sports scene. I don't know if we'll see it on on Wednesday. I doubt we'd see it, but he was like playing Morelos and Cholak together, and I, I thought that was a really really interesting point. We're in an age where you don't always see two strikers up front, but they are chalk and cheese. They both bring something very very different, and I. Cholak and I, you used the word, uh, Josh, a uh, throwback to talk about Jack Marcus. And uh, yeah, Cholak is like that as well. Um, 
in the you way don't really he... see a lot of these number nines now, nowadays. Yeah, you know, yeah. like false nines and wingers coming inside and going in behind, and it's it's just good just to see a number nine just like staying yeah. in the ball, hungry to score goals. It's just good to see. It, it reminded me a wee bit of you know when Chris Boyd was really on form, um, and there was a lot you know he wasn't getting in the Scotland squad, and, and my argument at the time was is that if a chance falls to a player in the box, who do you want there? And you know, whether it's McCoist or Boyd or at the moment it's Cholak, isn't it? Um, but you see know, the thing from, from a Rangers that, perspective. Yeah, see the thing you're saying there about Cholak and Morelos playing them together. See with 12 minutes to go and you're 3-0 up and think, why are you not, why are you taking Cholak off and bringing Morelos on? Why are you not getting, even for 10 minutes, just... To try it out? Yes. Yeah. And I'm uh-huh, not saying yeah, that Giovanni brought. I am not a football manager, never have been. Josh, that's just where I'll, can I bring you in here? <laughs> With that, with 10 minutes to go, and I've I've been vocal, I think if you can get Cholak and Morelos playing together, especially games like St Marin where you're, at Ibrox where you're expected to win comfortably, why would you not try it? Why would you not just try it for 10 minutes just to see if it works? It might not. It might be, and I've always been pretty, cl- pretty clear in my thinking that Morelos with a partner might not always work, but it's certainly worth trying because you've got a guy like Cholak, who, a guy like Cholak who can pick up Anything from twelve yards out, and Morelos will obviously do you do you a big shift, kind of getting the ball into that position. So is it not worth trying it out? I think, and Gio's mind, he's probably thinking if I leave him on, he's as you say, he's likely to start. He probably should start uh, midweek in the Champions League. So he's maybe thinking he's got his two goals. Let's just get him off, make sure there's no injuries and just no risk playing the partnership. Where I thought. Listen, that you've got to laugh, ain't you? So if a Scotland League manager and he's managing the Champions League, but I'm <laughs> going to say he's, I think he's wrong anyway. But I'm going to go along with it. I think if you were going to play three at the back uh, or five at the back on uh, Tuesday night against Liverpool, why not just go a, a five-three-two and leave Cholak and Morelos up the pitch that night? Because we all know that they're going to put their two fullbacks on. And I felt sorry for a bit like the Morelos because the ball's just coming up and it's just Matip or Van Dyke, they're right up them, they're barging them, they're elbowing them. And I just thought, why not just leave 2v2 there? And that maybe may just tell them to bring Henderson back a wee bit more, which then means maybe one of your midfielders can get up a bit tighter to him. And I just thought, if you were going to try the five at the back system, I didn't quite understand why it was a 5-4-1 and only go with four in the middle when you I were up again. I, I didn't understand the kind of, I didn't understand the Tillman and Kent having them as kind of inside wingers. It just didn't work because Tillman's got... another one, by the way. What do you do with him? I wouldn't have him back, honestly. But you're asking him. You're asking him to play in a right. He's probably never played right midfield in his life, right? He's he's a bat. He's he's been through it by him. He's played kind of second striker attacking midfield position. He's never played in a right midfield position. And he's certainly never played in a right midfield position, either at Parkhead, where there's 60,000 people being for your blood, or at Anfield, when you've got the Champions League situation, which is high pressure enough, and you're going up against guys like, and I'm not a big Alexander-Arnold yeah. fan for, by any stretch of imagination, particularly defensively, but that that can be intimidating to a young guy. So when but you're asking to play out of position... I get that, but if you're out of position... And it's obviously it's in a big night for you. What's the one thing you can go and draw back on? Hard work, roll the sleeves up and just yeah. put a shift in. And that is that's what he didn't do. Mm-hmm. He was just letting people run off him. I thought his body language was really, really poor. I was surprised he stayed on the park for as long as he did. I, yeah. I would have hooked him up for a half an hour. It was shocking. Like 
I get what you're saying. I totally understand that. Should they have been put in that situation? Probably not. But the fact is, he, were, he was put in that situation. So just roll your sleeves up and put mm-hmm. a shift in. No, and if, no, it doesn't I get work, if it doesn't quite work for you on the ball, then fair enough. But at least use the guys that are either at the stadium, Rangers fans, or sitting in their house. They can go and know what he was out of position, but he gave his absolutely everything. But can you honestly look at him and go, he gave his urban? No, he didn't. He didn't do it. Absolutely. And I, you've came for Bayern Munich. You're capable of putting a shift in. You must be. In, but there's guys in the west of Scotland that you could put out there the other night for him and he would have done a better job. Like, And that's no disrespect to guys in the west of Scotland, but they would just roll their sleeves up in battle and do their best for the team. But I never really seen that. And and I thought, I think with the three-five-two switch, I actually think the mess... I personally think Rangers... You know, I'm not a Rangers fan, but I th- we were speaking about this in the car journey. Obviously, we were in the car for two hours going down to Kakubri, so we speak about everything. <laughs> um, and we were speaking about this because there's a couple of Rangers fans in the car and it seems to be a consensus that the Rangers fans are on. Some of them seem to think the same as me. Is that I think they're tailor-built tailor built for a, a three-at-the-back system. I think they've got two great crossers, probably the two best crossers of the ball in the league in Tavernier mm-hmm. and Barisic. And you've got two guys who want to score goals in Morelos and Cholak, so let's not overcomplicate it. Let's just get that ball right, get it in the box and let the two go for it. We just said that Cholak will feed off that, Morelos would feed off that, and then, you know what I mean, you've got guys like Arfield, Lundstrom, Jack in the middle, who would be, a, a, that's a, a, a workman-like three in the middle, the guys that can get forward and into the box and Personally, for me, I just think they're I think they're tailor built. For, they've got the team perfect for a three at the back system. They've got a good left centre half in Davies. They've got Goldson, and then you've got um, oh, the young lads head. Okay, uh, Leon King. Leon King. Again, like I think what he's going to bring playing a playing alongside the two defenders week in week out domestically. I, I personally think Rangers are missing a big trick there. And I thought the way deal was talking through the week. I thought maybe that was what we were going to see. Um, yesterday, I thought that's what we were going to see. I, I kind of thought like he was hinting towards playing Morelos and Cholak up front. And I kind of thought, oh, maybe he's going to go with that 3 5 2 system. But well, obviously, he didn't. But I, I, don't, I just think sometimes your players decide what formation you play. And I just think if you've got two cracking strikers like that, and you've obviously got, I know in that system, there's no spot for Ryan Kent. Has Ryan Kent really been doing it? Does he deserve to be in the team now? And that's, that's, that, that's the thing that's what I was saying about squad depth as well and this this is a, a kind of interesting one Vinny like Ryan Kent we have argued in this show for many many months if Ryan Kent is on it Ryan Kent is probably one of the best players in the league but when Ryan Kent's off it particularly the last couple of seasons he was coming for the ball he was trying he was still trying to make something happen we haven't seen that from Ryan Kent this year we haven't we've seen Ryan Kent maybe put his head down and not be the same Ryan Kent. Is this Giovanni Van Bronckhorst saying, right now you need to be a lot, you need to be that Ryan Kent? Now, he maybe have never dealt with that Ryan Kent, but when you've got Kent there, who we know when he's when he's at his best, he's very good. He's, he's a terrific player. But when you're not seeing that, and you drop him, and your your replacement comes on. Let's Sakala comes on. I thought Sakala had a really good game. I think Sakala is still very raw, and I think he will take time to get where he wants. To. I don't even think Sakala knows what he's doing when he's on the ball. But he, when Kent's coming off and Sakala's coming on, Vinny, that is a big opportunity for Sakala. But Kent comes on, he does pretty well. So as Kent seeing that as right, this is my chance. This is my chance to really. This is me getting the. 
the boot up the arse, lack of a better term, to really get his foot, to really get his attitude sorted. Because I think that's his big issue, that he's not been the same Ryan Kent that he has been in the past year or so, even when he's not playing well. I, th- I think he's uh, a typical winger. When it's not going well for him, he, take, he takes a huff. I, you, you'll see this, Josh, at, um, at that level as well. You see it up and down the country. Um, you know, flair players, and they can be reluctant to, to put in the, the hard graft. You'd like to think that, you know, having that wee bit of competition would, would you know, push him on a wee bit. But, yeah, I, w- I would agree with you. I think the, the attitude's not quite there. Uh, Josh, just sort of, if we could compare it, you'll have had situations like that in the past, you know, a player taking the huff and not quite having the attitude. And I, I know you were you were sort of making fun of yourself, saying that you're just a South of Scotland manager. But, you know, in all seriousness, you've got way more managerial experience than either of us. What, what do you see? What do you say to a player in that kind of situation? What are the kind of conversations Van Bronckhorst might be having with 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 Ken? And there maybe is a, a slight attitude issue. I think you you can go two ways. You either let the player play through it and play through his bad form and let him get to that good stage. But I can't actually remember the last game Ryan Kent played well that everybody was saying that he actually done good. I can't actually remember the last game and. I would maybe be showing him clips. Like there was a, a clip that I kind of seen on the Liverpool game where he, the one time he got Trent Alexander uh, faced up and he didn't take him on. He, he he pretended to and then he done that thing where oh, I will take him on or oh, there's no options. I'll come back. I'll play the back pass and and that was the difference. I think that's why uh, Sakala and stuff got the nod because they came on straight away and it's just that positivity. Like I'm just going to knock the ball by him and see if I don't get it. I'll get the crowd up because I've tried to do it and. I would kind of just be saying that, try to take the handbrake off my wee bit. It's hard to kind of say because I don't know what Gio's asking them to do. Is he asking them to keep the ball? Is he is he promoting them to go and is he encouraging that go 1v1, go do it when the opportunity's there? Don't worry about losing the ball. Just make sure you do it. Or is Gio saying, listen, make sure you're keeping the ball, you're losing the ball too much. So it's hard to say. But for me, I like to just say to the guys, if you're in the final third, there's an opportunity to take somebody 1v1 go do it and you either beat him with a dribble, you beat him with a one-two or whatever, but be positive when you've got the ball and we've get, kind of got a situation we had a couple of weeks ago um, with one of our players and he's brilliant 1v1 but he just wasn't really doing it and I kind of just said to him, listen, see if you don't want to be positive on the ball then you'll no play. So I kind of went the other way with it like, because like, we're all here, listen, we're not here to watch Safety Sam that wants to pass the ball back and sideways, we're here. We we watch the guys to get off our feet and just go and make things happen. I mean, you know, see if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. But I've always been a, a lover. Is you need to let your attacking players be comfortable losing the ball because they're in there to try and do stuff. They're not there to do the safe stuff. They're there yeah. to try and make things happen and be creative. And being creative is not going to come off all the time. You're going to need to keep plugging away at it. And some games it won't work. But with me, we're watching Ryan Kent now. I don't even see that intent that he's trying to make things happen. It's like it's. I just, it's too safe for me. It's just too safe. And when Ryan Kemp was at his best was when he was taking people on, he was trying to make things happen. He was playing one-twos, getting shots off at the side of the box, the edge of the box, playing me balls down the side for the strikers. I'm not really seeing that film just now. And especially on the big stage, I'm not seeing it, to be honest, um, recently. And I think that's probably what's the hard bit for the Rangers fans is they know how good they is, but you're not seeing it. And... That's why I kind of think sometimes it's got to that stage with him. Let's just bring him out the team and 
maybe work with him a wee bit and maybe drip feed him back in and give somebody else a chance because sometimes you run out of lives and it's just time for somebody else to get a shot. Yeah. But that's kind of how I would deal with it. Either going to be positive or you're not playing. <laughs> and that's that's something we'll touch on later on. We'll obviously do a wee preview of the, the Champions League games later on. But one team that are in a good run of form at the moment is Hibs. Four wins in a row in the league. Their first, they're the first run like that they've been on since February 2021. That will feel like a lifetime for Hibs fans with, I think, four managers in between them. But, Josh, with Lee Johnson, we kinda, we thought at the start of the season that this kind of brand of football he'd bring in, it would take a lot of time to to gel. It maybe would be would take a bit of time for results to go their way. It's beginning to click now. You see four wins. Ryan Portis, again, who's a, who scored a winner. He's had a terrific couple of weeks. But this Hibs team, they're beginning to click and they're beginning to get to that point where you're going, right, OK, they're sitting third in the league. They've got that wee run together. Although we thought Lee Johnson it was maybe a, a kind of bit, his, his ways maybe wouldn't work in Scottish football. He's beginning to get it right. I, I think it was kind of hard when we Hibs because even bring it back to the Maloney days, I kind of I was quite positive about Maloney. I kind of thought, that's just quite exciting. I wonder if that's all working. Obviously, it didn't. It, it fell completely on its ass. Let's be honest. And and then when Lee Johnson came in, it was a bit of a, who knows if this will work as well. So it was just kind of wait and see. And it wasn't great to start with. I think obviously in the the Betfred Cup games, they had a few quite a few bad losses and yeah. stuff. A lot of fans, I think a few fans were calling for him to get the bullet back then as well. I think people kind of seen that this wasn't going to work. And fair play to their board as well. They're stuck by him. They've they've let him work away at it and. They're on a great run of form now, and they've, they've got a real good chance of breaking that, that getting that third spot because Hearts don't seem quite at it this year as well, and don't seem to be adjusting to that Europa League playing in the Thursday, playing in the Saturday or the Sunday. They don't seem to be adjusting that. Obviously, we'll probably come on to it later, but they've went and dropped points today. Mm-hmm. Um, lucky to get the points, so that that gives Hibs even more encouragement. That gives that result yesterday the even. It's even bigger than where it was probably was on the day. Now that they have dropped more points, and and look, don't get me wrong, like they've like Motherwell, have been, they've been flying. They've been absolutely flying. Um, I seen the red card. I wasn't. I was a bit. I know Connor mm. Shields from Albion over days. Um, I, I think he's very unlucky. Aye, it's a bit. Of a, I I don't know why he's get. Listen, he's got he's got two chances to clear it as well, and he's decided then he's had to run through it. So I think that could work in Motherwell's favour as well because Shields has been doing well by all accounts, and they see then commit the team, and then that gives Louis Malt a time to come in and get into the side. So that's a great win for them, and by all accounts, it was pretty even up until the red card, and obviously it swung the game in their favour. But at the end of the day, it's hard to play against them men because at that point, being Motherwell, they're probably hanging away from home. They're at Easter Road. Let's just try and get the point. And Habs have just went and knocked on the door, knocked on the door, and they've, they've, they've come back with a goal. So fair play to them. It's a great win. And if they're going for third spot, which they should be, they'll, it's what we're saying about Celtic earlier on, that could be a key game for them that they could look back at and go, Absolutely. that was great character showing there. And um, and just touching on Porteous, he's, he seems to have got rid of all the daftness, to be honest, um, which I think is why people don't like him. But he's a cracking defender. I mean, he's on it again. Same with Ryan Kemp, and he's on it, and he's concentrated for the full ninety minutes. He's a quality player, and I thought he was brilliant for Scotland when he came in as well. So he must be high in confidence, and that breeds through the full team as well. So no, it was a great win for them. Yeah, absolutely. Very from a Motherwell perspective as well. 
Wednesday night was a terrific night, a 5 0 win away to Ross County. Now, I thought it maybe caught up with them on Saturday because I thought they looked a bit leggy. I think Josh is spot on with in terms of when you're you're down to ten men, it maybe suited Motherwell to try and get get ten men behind the ball, really make it difficult. And I think maybe just because of how can I slow and lethargic they were, it maybe suited them. But obviously the Porteous goal was just completely outdone them, and it's it's probably a disappointing day at the office. Uh, yeah, obviously they've been on a brilliant run, and then that game on Wednesday night was um yeah. I, you, you wouldn't say you didn't see it coming, but um, for for such a, a high-scoring game, um, they, they certainly did very well. Um, one of the things for Motherwell is they've got goals all over the park, and I just feel as though, you know, even, even in the, the feel of the game from the highlights, um, I wonder how crucial that Blair Spittle injury was um, mm-hmm. in terms of disrupting the flow of things. Um, they, you know, they, they had chances um uh, the fella goss had a couple of cracking long range efforts um you know on another day they, they go in um sending off yeah you, you could see it both ways interesting to see porteous involved um <coughs> you see even when he was being an absolute nightmare like i, I still really like the guy <laughs> he's, he's he's my type of player just an absolute wind-up merchant the way he's, I, I, he got a in fact, it was Motherwell actually last time he, he was celebrating a sending off, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. And you saw it, he, it, the, the highlights just sort of clipped it, but he gets back up off the ground, turns around, sees the red card, and does a wee fist, <laughs> fist bump. So he's you know he's, he's still got that in him. And the header was was terrific. Absolutely. He's, he's really kicked on in terms of like he's he seems to be a lot better in terms of that side of his game. Like yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I, I think he's 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 using the. <laughs> he's using the cheekiness in, in the right way at the moment, uh, which is obviously working for him. But yeah, Motherwell, I think they, they were unlucky. For for me, I, kind of looking at the flow of the game, I think losing Spittle at that point. I think it did, yeah. He, he's a funny one. Blair Spittle was with us for a, for a wee while and he was terrific, but then he would go missing in games sometimes. I think, you know, when, when he's on it, he's a terrific player and he's playing right in the middle of the park, which I think is probably his best position. Mm-hmm. We often played him out wide, and he's been out wide for a few teams. I, I, he's terrific delivery with both feet. But um, you you mentioned um, earlier on, um, uh, Carl McGregor. You were talking about being more of a pivot. I think um, you maybe wouldn't play him quite so deep, but Spittle can certainly do that. He can spread the ball all over the pitch uh, with, with both feet, and a couple of really nice counter attacks came from from his passes. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was a bit of a weird injury. It was more of a sort of coming together, and you could see he was really struggling. Um, you know, hopefully for Motherwell, they'll, they'll see him back because, uh, yeah, he he was central to everything that was going well for them uh, yesterday. Um, and uh, yeah, there was also the penalty shout as well. And uh, in, in that game, which we, we didn't actually mention it when we were talking about Cholak, but. Yeah, I don't. I it's not a pen, for me. It's, it's not a uh, at Ibrox, whereas the one at Easter Road. Um, it's not a penalty, but what does that matter? That's all about that. Half my I'm kicking holes in the dugout if that's against me. <laughs> totally, totally. Well, the the one at Easter Road for me definitely was a penalty. So yeah. it's just, you know, on another day, you know, mother will come away with with at least a point. But uh, yeah, credit to Hibs and credit to Ryan Portis. The other thing about Hibs, just very quickly, is you know if you told Hibs fans at the start of the season that Melkerson wouldn't 
be starting, you wouldn't have Nisbet, you wouldn't have uh, McGeady. Uh, Stevenson would be coming off the bench as well. They'd, they'd be scratching their heads about who would be playing. Um, so, you know, credit to, to Lee Johnson. Although I, he has to settle on a style. He was going in between tracksuit and, and sort of camo hair <laughs> coat yesterday. It's like, pick one or the other, mate. I know the, way, the weather was changeable, but come on. Absolutely, yeah, I couldn't agree more. We don't want to see that, but we'll move into the next game on Saturday. This is a this is an interesting one because I think before the game, can I caught my more than after than during or after the game? Did we see the thing with the crossbar? The thing with the, no, I've not seen that. Right. Yeah, with David Martindale. Yes, the David Martindale. I think a few Livingston staff were basically saying that the crossbar was too low. So the crossbar then went and got raised, right? Fair enough. I oh, wanted... brilliant. I'm going to need to use that. Right. I can't wait to use that. I'll keep that in my back. Right. It's probably not a good idea to use that though, before <laughs> your, your team have had 22 shots and only three <laughs> hit that target and you lose the game 1-0. So, that is a weird one. That is, I did not expect to see that on a Saturday afternoon, but Obviously, we're talking about Livingston now. Ross County won. Ross County with their first win of the season. Massive three points for Malcolm Kai's team, particularly after their performance during the week. Josh, one way of looking at this game is, and we'll, we'll probably just say this for both, we'll, we'll get both your thoughts on it. Livingston didn't take their chances. Ross County had one and took it and won the game. And that is probably the best description of that game I can come up with. Uh, it's the worst games to lose, to be honest. It's honestly, I've been there. It's horrendous. We lost one not that long ago, actually. And I think the team had one shot and scored. And one of them, they ended up beating us 2 0. They had two shots. One wasn't even a shot. I don't even know where it was, but it went in. And honestly, it's, it's horrendous. You come away from it more raging than anything else. You would rather just go out and get hammered, but you don't. You, don't, you come away. It's, it's the worst games in the world to lose. Um, and that's why obviously Martindale's lost his mind. He's coming out shouting about the bar and all that. So I can't wait to use that. I'll keep that up. I'll keep that up my sleeve. Um, but listen, that's massive for Ross County. Yeah, absolutely. Um, again, like they were brilliant um, uh, last season as well. I expected them to kick on, but obviously it's not quite worked out. I obviously lost a few bodies as well, but that's massive for them. Um, it seems to be a weekend of first wins as well, doesn't it? It does that, yeah. It's a massive three points for Ross County. Vinny, was my uh, description of the game accurate? Uh, yeah, it, it certainly <laughs> wasn't a classic. I would like to point out, though, I think it was Ross County's second win of the season. I think they beat Kilmarnock. Ah, right, you are right, my apologies. Um, That's why you're but... here, Vinny. Well done, mate. <laughs> <laughs> you are um, correct, my apologies. No, no, it's quite all right. Um, uh, yeah, so... Uh, Livingston will be kicking themselves. They, you know, Martindale is just—he's got a knack for getting the best out of, of, of some, uh, you know, very average players. Um, he's, you know, some may question his uh, managerial style, but you can't—you can't really um, be overly concerned about it if you're a Livingston fan. Um, but yes, yeah, they'll, they'll be kicking themselves. Even looking. Okay, it's, 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 it was Google that I was getting my stats off of, so it might not be totally reliable. But even looking at the number of passes um, between the teams, you can see that Ross County had a very uh, direct 
<laughs> uh, frame of mind on. And I think when you're down that end of the table, sometimes you do. Uh, you you said it earlier, uh, Josh. We were talking about um, Rangers and Liverpool. Don't overcomplicate it. It's it's it's, it's a simple game sometimes. And uh, there you go. Ross County proved it yesterday, coming away with yeah a, a massive three points. Um, and uh, yeah, obviously. <laughs> It piled a bit more pressure on Dundee United, um, who, who were playing later on, but we'll probably come on to that. Hey, we're Scott. about to come on to that. It's a nice <laughs> wee segue. I'll actually stay with Vanny for last. Dundee United, well, they did get their first win of the season. Uh, 4-0 at home at Aberdeen, the 6 o'clock kickoff. I think Liam Fox will probably be praying that he gets 6 o'clock kickoffs <laughs> from now on, because... That Dundee United display was was so against what we've seen, except from obviously that Altmar game. It was such a change, Vinny. It was such a massive difference in what they've been playing. They were a lot more direct. They were ruthless as well. They were taking every chance they got. Solid, burst into life. McGrath, I thought, was excellent. I just thought it was a really good night for Dundee United. Yeah, he, he's a terrific player. He was a, a really good signing, I thought, when, when they managed to pick him up. Uh, yeah, it was... Um... I think it. I was going to say it caught me by surprise, but um, I, I'm, I'm often on the Scottish Football Forums podcast, and a bunch of them are Aberdeen fans, and uh, it wasn't a, wasn't a huge surprise to, to them. I think they saw it coming. Uh, you know, on the surface, I thought Jim Goodwin had had recruited fairly well during the uh, summer, although missing a centre back probably, um, and uh, yeah, I, I, I think a lot of Aberdeen fans did see again, maybe not quite the golf like that, but you know, a dune was coming. Um and they, they didn't help themselves, did they? But you said it, Scott. Aberdeen didn't help themselves, but Dundee United were were ruthless. Yes. You know, any any mistakes they pounced upon it. Um and they'll get a huge lift. It'll be really interesting to see how how the next wee run of games goes for Dundee United. Do they take confidence from it? Was it you know, was the result more about Aberdeen's failings? Um, it'll be really interesting to see how these two teams react to that, and um, because Aberdeen had been maybe getting away with it was the the sort of impression I, thought, I was getting I from Aberdeen a lot of Aberdeen fans. Pretty decent laugh. I thought I've any time I've seen Aberdeen, I've been impressed with them. I don't know what happened. Like I just thought Dundee United, and I th- I think Dundee United are capable of that. We we know the players they've got; they are capable of putting in some really good performances. And I, I just think this was one of those days where the United, everything clicked for the United, Josh. And for Aberdeen, it just was a bad night at the office. I, I think Aberdeen, I think it's just one they need to write off, to be honest with you. And just, um, it's one of the one they losses, I think, where it's... I wouldn't say it's a freak loss, because I do think as, as poor as Dundee United have been, I do think they're capable of that. Like, I, I really like their team. I think they've got an exciting team there. They've mm. got... A few brilliant players, and but I wouldn't expect a Jim Goodwin team to be beaten by that scoreline by somebody at their similar level to them. I wouldn't expect that, um, and I wouldn't imagine Jim Goodwin would be happy with that. But sometimes you've just got to just write the games off and just get back onto the training ground and get back to what your principles were. Um, I would imagine I've not seen the game, but I would imagine that they weren't playing anywhere near what Jim Goodwin was ask, asking them to do. I seen the timings of the goals as well. That's that's very important as well. To be honest with you, I seen the um, Dundee United score just before half time. Their second goal yeah. was it, but then sometimes that can take the stuffing right out of you. Like you've mm-hmm. got a team, you've got a team talking your head, and you kind of got a plan of how you're going to get back into it. And Tom, you lose that second goal that 
got a quick one with that. We were playing on Lithgow Rose and I actually thought Jack, it was the same week Scott Parker got beat 9 0, I get beat 9 0, and uh, Jack, Jack Ross, Scott Parker, and me get beat 9 0. And I was buzzing to see that they get beat 9 0 as well, but then I seen that the following week they all get sacked, and I was like, oh God, I've not spoken to my chairman in a couple of weeks here. I've not spoken to him in a couple of days, I'm going to go my road do it. And by the way, it's just like into your head, like just for the sideline. Like I was sitting at the sideline with a 3 0 down in 26 minutes or something, um, and then. I'm saying to my coaches, um, them ended up they were four 0 Then before I even got the chance to speak to them, I'm like, listen, let's get in at four 0 What a sentence that is! Let's try and get in at four 0 Do you know what I mean? Try and regroup. It was horrendous. Honestly, one of the worst days in football I've ever had. To be honest, well, let's go and let's go a good side, don't you be fair? Oh, they were yeah. tremendous, brilliant. Just as I say, let's get into four 0 The boy Mark Stowe, who seems to score every week, yeah, but he's, he's put the ball down and just sailed in a free kick. I'm like, right, we need to get in at five. Five now needs to be that needs to be <laughs> So listen, sometimes it's just sometimes I I mean you come into after games like that and it's just been a complete car crash. You're, you're as well just saying, listen, lads, just I'll speak to you at training because sometimes if you speak after the games where you're really angry, you you can really just derail the full thing and say mm-hmm. things that you're meant to say. Um and I dare say that Goodwin would have been in that sort of that sort of boat because he wouldn't have been expecting that he'd have been going up there fully expecting three points definitely no doing um, so I wouldn't have been happy with that but I, I fully expect Aberdeen to get back on board but I think Dundee United now play Ross I think Dundee United play Hibs midweek and then they go going to play Ross County the following Saturday so yeah. that's two massive gains for them that could see them maybe create a wee bit of daylight there so they qu- it's mad in football isn't it? it's that momentum shift like you can be right down there and I see me for that ourselves it's in Cuthbert. So you think yeah, a couple of weeks where you're struggling and then out of nowhere that wee bit of confidence and momentum comes and then you just shoot up and it's it's weird to it's weird to find out where it comes from or how it happens, but it just happens and that could you might find it Dundee United properly kick on then that just really sends them on their way up the league. You never know. But football's a mad old game, that's why we watch it and that's why we're sitting here now. A wee night and just sit and talk about it because you could go on and on for hours. You could. And the final game of the Premiership before we get to talk about the other leagues Kelly 2, Hearts 2, Kilmarnock. I was ready to come on this podcast and say just how well Kilmarnock this week's just changed Kilmarnock's season. Six points, they're right back up where they need to be, but Hearts didn't give in. I don't think, as, as Josh said earlier, I don't think this was a vintage Hearts performance, but they dug in, got scored two excellent goals to seal a big point. Josh, there's two ways of looking at this. Kilmarnock, despite not winning the game, they will take a lot of positives from how they played because they were really good. Everything was beginning to click. I thought Jones and Armstrong were excellent, just getting forward a lot more direct. Lafferty was obviously getting in, getting in top hangs as well. They're really sorted at the back as well. The partnership of Stokes and Taylor, I think it's going to be fine. But Hearts just didn't give in. And I, this Hearts team, we know they're, they're a bit kind of Jekyll and Hyde. They can be top top one minute and then the next minute they can be very boring, very dull when they're all calling on Robbie Nielsen to be out the door. But on the other hand, getting a point like this could just be big for them because it's they're 2-0 down to Kilmarnock who were riding the crest of obviously Wednesday night, but getting just getting back into the game and two bits of genius was enough to get them a point. So there's two ways of looking at this game and I just think it was probably 
probably a bit of a fair result in retrospect when you actually look at this game. Despite how well Kilmarnock played, I think Hearts will probably be happy to walk away with something from that game. I think um, I seen. Did you see Barry Mackay's setup? Right yes, I start? did. Yeah, and uh, um, it's not good, and it's actually one where him as well. He's been banging for him. It's one of those. It's one of those where you're actually more surprised that not more surprised that he missed, but if he had aimed a hundred times at where he put that, he would never do it. Like, oh, that, it's crazy. That, I've never seen. I've not seen him miss that in a while. Him, man, I don't know what he's doing. He's he had, a bad, he had a bad day and it's not like him and it was just no, a, not. a good day at the office I think this wee period for Hearts and who's whether in the the conference league is is listen I don't think they're going to go through in their group like they're, they're going to find it really hard I think I think you see the step up as well sorry to interrupt you but Fiorentina Fiorentina are not a top class Italian side but they were so much better than Hearts they were a class apart and um, that's I the was, difference I think I think for Hearts, is, they'll still have their, 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 their sights set on getting that third spot. Yeah. But I think what they need to do is, I think they need to stay within a couple of points. It sounds really bad in defeats, but Nielsen will be thinking this in the back of his head. If we could just stay within a couple of points when we're out of this competition and then we're back to just playing the Saturday games, mm-hmm. got the full training week then you might see it because they have dropped a couple of wee daft points here and there, like picking up draws and steady, steady <laughs> wins. And I, I do think it's just, they're not quite used to it. And obviously they've got a lot of injuries with like Halkett, Boyce and stuff like that as well. Like, so it's, they are struggling in a sense. Um, and they're putting a lot into the games on a Thursday night. I thought that like, even though they get beat off of Fiorentina, they're having to put a lot into the game sometimes to make the score respectable are trying to pull it back and stuff and then they've got the travelling that they're going to be doing so they are finding it difficult um, but again their rivals it's up to them to go and they can go and put a bit of daylight between them as well if they can put a run of games together but Kilmarnock they'll be they'll be gutted with that it was some goal to be fair by Hearts mm-hmm. the guy that they equalised it's a great strike but I think Kilmarnock will be a wee bit raging about that they've they've not really won the first contact in the ball and then they're having to they've no competed to enough to get close enough to the second contact and the second ball things like that really stick in your throat because it should just be body in the lines there they should have been bought I personally I'd have been looking for people just flying out of hand to block that shot and mm-hmm. you just have time to tee it up and strike it and listen it's an easy game for the sideline but I would have just been expecting somebody just to go throw a body in front of it let's just get up to the ball and see it out but on this, the grand scheme of the game it was a fair result but it's it they're stuck in Derek McInnes's throat to be honest that that goal can end but I think it's only a matter of time before Derek McInnes gets that right at Kilmarnock to be honest I think it is I think it's beginning to eh? uh, I think it's getting there and I think you'll see over the next couple of seasons I think he's just signed a big contract yeah you know? so I think big things will come for them I, I, I really rate Derek McInnes I think he's a good manager um, he's good at building clubs up the way he done with Aberdeen and I can see him doing similar with Kilmarnock to be honest yeah Vinny, what was your overall take in the, the Kelly Hearts game? Yeah, um, I think I think you guys have pretty much covered it. One thing that I what I thought I noticed at the time, and I went back and checked, and uh, yeah, I was right. Um, you were talking about uh, you, you spoke very briefly about Robbie Nielsen there. One thing that stuck out for me was that he didn't panic. Mm-hmm. Um, you've also got the opportunity to make five subs, and um, Hearts only made two, and that I think. I think the second one only came 
when they were two, I just after they got the first back. Mm-hmm. So you know they didn't panic; they they stuck to their guns. Um, I think that's for me that stands out as quite good management. He trusts the guys on the pitch, or at least has said to them, "This is the situation we're in. We'll try and earn it back." Um, and he didn't make wholesale changes, um, which I I, th- I thought was brave of him. And you know it's worked out in the end. Um, like you say, it was it's, it's some strike rate of the death. Um, but yeah, I, I, that was one thing that really stood out for me. So you know, credit credit to him. Um, yeah, they are struggling with the the pressures of European football on top of league football. It's it's a hectic schedule. Um, but you, I, I think Fiorentina play on Monday night. Um, mm-hmm. So Hearts have got an extra day. So you never know what happens in in football. It's certainly tough going over there, but. Yeah, in terms of progressing, they've probably got to get something Fiorentina away and, and, and hope that they, they pick up results, uh, you know, from the games left. Certainly that that home game against Riga, that will stand out for them. And uh, yeah, but it's, it's going to be tough for them to progress. They probably need something uh, this Thursday. But as I say, Fiorentina have a day less to prepare, so you never know. But, you know, credit to Hearts um, and credit to Nielsen for, for not pressing the panic button at all. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's a it shows you a kind of thing as well. But he's as you say, he's not well. He's not going to panic. He's going to keep it going. He's going to believe in the system he's plays. But we are going to just quietly go through the other three leagues in the SPFL. We'll touch on the championship Friday night. Inverness one, Partick Thistle nil. Saturday, a broth one, Dundee one. A United five, Queens Park nil. Morton five, Hamilton nil. Wraith three, Cove nil. So there was a lot of one to nils in that game, but. Vinny, let's start with, with you just quickly. Inverness one part of this one now. Friday night game. I didn't see it. I've sort of just saw we highlights. I think Kyle Turner probably should have been sent off. I think it's a bad tackle. I think it's a big one for Inverness. And I it's one of those where we've seen obviously results over the weekend. There's only a point between the top four. That league will be very tight. The, the, that league is mental, consistently yes. mental. Um, yeah, I, I agree with you. I, I, Straight away, I, I I thought it was a, a sending off some Thistle fans going mental because that was Scott Lambie's first game in the championship and it was televised. I thought he got it spot on, to be I honest. Right, I, thought, yeah, I, I, I do think the Inverness player overstretches a wee bit. That I, I, Kyle Turner's not done it in a malicious sense. It's because the Inverness player's just overstretched a wee bit and it's it's, it's unfortunate, but I think... He, he, these days, I mean, his dad would have got away with it, um, <laughs> but um, I don't think uh, these days you get away with that kind of challenge. Um, and yeah, we huffed and puffed in the second half. Mistake leads to the goal, um, you know. But you know, we hammered them down at Farhill, and uh, yeah, if, if if you're getting a point up the road up there, that's that's good going. Um, with regard to those other results, <laughs> it's just it's this league is is crazy. But um, delighted to see that Dundee are in meltdown. Um, you know, players fighting with fans at the full time and, and stuff like that. It's terrific to see. Um, it's the it's <laughs> commentators will say, "Oh, we don't like to see that sort of thing." Yes, we do. <laughs> we bloody love it. <laughs> so um, yes, the 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 championship con- continues to be the, the the premium league in 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 all of Europe. It does that. It's it's very similar to the West First Division, where that is very open. Josh, I'm yeah. sure you agree. Yes, yeah, I don't. I don't know if we'll touch on that at all. But again, just some crazy results at the weekend. Those crazy results. Um, Josh, the result of the weekend for you in the championship. The one that stands out to me immediately is Air Five Queens Park. Now, 
two teams very even so far this season. Morton five, Hamilton nil as well. There's just so many crazy results in that league. What stands well, out to you? You can't put you. You just can't. You can't pick anything. That you're just as well closing your eyes and just trying to pick a winner in that league. It's ridiculously. I was. I actually looked at that league today because I've not looked at it for a couple of weeks, and it's like the the first eight teams. Obviously, it's a ten team league. It's only six points separate no. the one eight. It's like literally you lose a couple of games, you win a couple of games, you could find yourself up top top end of the league. It's mental. I've never seen it like it in my life, but. It's a brilliant league. I do like the championship. To be fair, I really like the championship. It's a bit like League One. Everybody just beats each other. Like you mm. can't call it like it's mental. But um, the big one for me at the weekend, I couldn't believe was Morton hammering Aki's. I, I couldn't, couldn't believe, believe that either. Um, I've got a club visit uh, set up to Ginty Aki's with, with Rankin and uh, Darren McKinnon. But I was actually planning going this week, but I maybe just need to halt it in case they're just boxing each other in the changing room. So. Um, I maybe just leave that to it for a couple of weeks when they pick up the result. <laughs> I'll throw ranks a text in and see if I can get myself in. But no, it's um, it's a crazy league. It is a crazy league. Um, and like it showed it last year. Like how good was it last year with their growth as well? Like mm-hmm. that whole fairy tale. And then I think everybody was our bro fans towards the end of that when they were in the playoffs, and then it didn't happen. And people were just wanting a growth to do well. It's brilliant and. It's just a crazy league. I love it. It is a good league and I think it should replace the Premiership to be honest with you and just let's just do that. I'm game for that. Uh, league 1, quickly we'll just go through it. Airdrie 3, Queen of the South 3, Alwa 0, Dunfermline 3, Dunfermline the only unbeaten team out of the four, four teams in the SPFL. Clyde 1, Montrose 3, Edinburgh 2, Kelty 0, Peterhead 0, Falkirk 4. Edinburgh set two points clear at the top of the league still but again Vinny, this is a very tight league when you look at it. There's only Six points between the top five, but there's a there's some wild there's there's a potential for some wild results in there because this is one thing about this league is there is a lot of goals on it. Uh, yeah, I mean just look at those results from from yesterday. Um, I had um, that Queen of South game. I had that down as a draw. I didn't expect it to be that mm. kind of draw, but um, yeah, it was fantastic entertainment. And Montrose are a really interesting Fair. team. I've been um, on record and saying if if you were to have an MVP in managers in the past three years, Stuart Petrie wins it hands down. His job has been remarkable. Yeah, he's he's done a terrific job, and, and I think they've been really unfortunate. They got into the playoffs the year we won League One, mm. um, and weren't did they make the playoffs or, or very close to it last season as well? They made They're the playoffs last the year, yeah. and it's it's a great wee setup um, up up uh, uh, Montrose. Uh, yeah, they're just on the cusp of, of maybe doing something a wee bit special. Um, I think uh, our broth will probably set, set the benchmark for, for Angus teams um, and Montrose could possibly replicate that. They play really nice football as well. Um, yeah, they're a great team to watch. Um, so, yeah, ones to watch in that league, definitely. Absolutely. Uh, Josh, a wee result for you in League One. What caught your eye? <laughs> I, I wasn't expecting... Um, the Queen of the South here to want to be honest with you I just I thought one of them would have maybe because the two of them have been leaking goals I just thought somebody would have been in a bit more of a defensive mind for me um, just even looking at the teams at the bottom of there as well like my old club Clyde like, mm-hmm. they're, in a real, they're in real poor form as well uh, they're, in, they're in trouble and to be honest with you like obviously I went there the year they were promoted into that league and mm-hmm. 
they were struggling. Um, and they have been struggling. Obviously, they've lost a lot of good players. Obviously, good Valley's a notable one, but um, Big Mitch moved to Partick Thistle mm-hmm. as well. I they have struggled, but again, like Clyde are one of the teams as well. Like they could quite easily go and play Adam Fermlin, and that could be the first time to beat uh, Fermlin lose. And it's because Clyde have done that. I remember they've done it with Falkirk. Falkirk were in a great run of form, and they just go and beat Falkirk at home three 0 And it's I just think League One's just one of the ones. It's the same with League Two. You just kind of take your eyes off it. You need to treat every game the same. And I can't see by Dunfermline for that league, to be honest with you. I just I think they're going to romp it. Um, but I think the playoffs are, are going to be really, really tight. And just touching on Montrose. Montrose even seem to lose a few of their players as well, don't they? Like, they lost Cammy Ballantyne to Airdrie. And obviously, yeah. I, think, I think that season where they did make the playoffs, did they have to then get Blair Lyons back? Because I think they yeah. sold him back. And so, I Petrie deserves a massive amount of credit for what he does there. And, you just can't even predict who's going to go up. Well, even think about Queen's Park going up last year with a, no something like 11 points behind Airdrie in the playoffs and then they end up beating Airdrie in the playoff final and then they're up. It's it's a crazy league. It's a crazy league. Honestly, like, you could have the best football knowledge in the world and you'll still not guess any of the three leagues in Scotland. Uh, between you'll not. You'll not. League 2 will touch on. I'm going to personally apologise to every single Dumbarton fan we had Stevie Farrell on the show two weeks ago. We were talking to him about a 10-point lead. It's now two points. And I feel as if I've jinxed you. I really apologise for that. But only just Stevie Farrell was a brilliant guest on the show. But we'll go through the results. Albion 2, Bonnie Rig 1, 4 for 1, East 5, 3, Stenhouse Muir 2, Annan 2, Stirling 6, Dumbarton 0, and Strenrath 2, Elgin 3. Josh, we have to start with Stirling versus Dumbarton. 6 0. I did not see this coming, and not because I I didn't think I could have potentially thought maybe Stirling could have beat them, Barton, but six now I did not see coming from anywhere, uh, and I don't think anybody in Scottish football would have saw a result like that coming. No, no chance. I don't even think Stirling, if they're being honest with us, saw that coming. To be honest with you, um, that was ridiculous. That really caught my eye. That and the by Bonnie Rig result with Alvin yeah. over caught my. Um, but it sums that league up like, like literally, who would have put that on? The bookies wouldn't even have took a bet on that, to be no. honest with you. Like, it's ridiculous. Like, but that's what you're up against. And do you know you wouldn't put it against uh, Stevie and the lads just putting going and ham on somebody next week with that same result? You wouldn't, you wouldn't put that by them. Do you know? But what it I mean? also just, shows us how mental that league is because we you were thinking this two weeks ago, like when Stevie was on the banner ten points clear, and I'm kind of thinking right. It's only like it's kind of a procession from now on. Then it's now two points in the space of two weeks. Ah, it's crazy. And it's just that weird time with Scottish football, as it can turn on a dime. And I mean, you look at the other results in that league. I mean, four for I thought four for were I thought four for could have been really hard to beat in that league as well. Like I was I was told between four and Stenhouse Muir at the start of the season. I went with Stenhouse Muir, but four for sitting bottom of the league. Ah, yeah, I, I didn't think Stenhouse would have been up there. I didn't think four for to be honest. I didn't. Um, and the job Gary's done, and he's he, yeah. he's he's very similar to Stuart Petrie as well. He just always Aye. seems to get the best out of maybe a squad that you wouldn't expect to to do pretty well. And he, last season he was phenomenal, but this season this I mean that's another league that's just so close. And, and as well Bonnie Rig, who I think were I, I think won the first three games are now sitting seventh. Uh, it's crazy, it's, honestly. It's... But we could do, we could then talk honestly, Scott. We could do this in three weeks' time again, and that league could look yeah. totally different. We could talk about every league in Scottish football, and 
I think we would just be having the same conversation. It's just so open. There's so many. I think, just... See, like the west of Scotland and your lower leagues. That I think it's great value. I don't. It Absolutely, needs to be yeah. Good for me, like it's. I would honestly like see if obviously the one week I do get a free week. I would rather listen. That's if the missus doesn't try to drag me around the fort or something. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> but if I can get to a game, you're want to go and watch a lower league game because it's just. It's just so close, and you can't call them. And you could literally go to a bottom of the table against the top, and it could go either way. It's crazy, but it's listen. It's that's what you want to do, and it like let's be honest, the Premiership. You could throw a dart at Celtic or Rangers, and one of you're going to be fifty chance, a fifty chance uh, correction of having it right. But you can throw a, a dart at anybody in the end of the leagues, and they could go up and win. You know, it's crazy, but. That's why you love it to be honest. In the West, that the, the West Premier is the same. Like it just filters right down. Even the Lowland League as well. And yeah, you've got you love it. That's that's what you're in it for. That's what you're watching for. And aye, it's they're really really good. And again, it, you've got your guys like Bonnie Rig. I think Bonnie Rig could then go on a wee run a game because that part during the winter they're brilliant at picking up points when it gets muddy and teams don't want to go up there. They could then become a force again and start putting the wins together. So it wouldn't really surprise me if they go and shoot back up the league again as well. And uh, it's crazy, crazy. Who knows? Uh, moving on for that because I've not got a clue what to say about the leagues because it's just mental. Just yeah, as that, uh, and we'll get into we'll we'll do quickly the midweek preview. We'll we'll maybe save Scotland's Euro group for maybe another day. But midweek preview, Vinny, quickly before we can move on, we've obviously got the women's show that's going to get out later on tonight with Vivian McLaren, which is going to be a really interesting show. We'll talk about the the game of Tuesday night, but Scotland women have a chance of qualifying for the World Cup. Now, they could win the game and still not qualify on the night. That shows you how yeah. weird this thing is. Can Scotland beat the Republic of Ireland at handed? Oh, absolutely. This is this is the easier of the two games. Um, on Thursday night, you could tell both teams didn't want to make a mistake that was going to rule them out of, of the chance of progressing. It was a very, very nervy game. Um, we didn't really see the quality from Cuthbert, Weir and Emsley. Those are the, those are the three players you, you need to turn up if you're going to win games. And it wasn't until Abby Harrison came on that that freed Weir up. And uh, yeah, we, we started playing. It was just a little bit too late. And obviously the game went to extra time. Um, so expecting a more comfortable night on uh, on, on on Tuesday, although... Uh, it is a wee bit of a derby with, with Ireland and I'm sure there'll be uh, quite a few Ireland fans in the stadium as well that'll make it a wee bit um, interesting um, but you know at, at the women's games it generally is a wee bit of a friendlier atmosphere and, and, and whatnot but I think uh, I think Scotland have got more than enough to do it we've got world class throughout that team um, and you know I mean, I mean that very very sincerely I think it's a, a very talented team and they're starting to play the way that Pedro wants them to play. Um, so I think, uh, yeah, I think they've got more than enough and we just need, I think, if Wales or Portugal win their game and we win our game, we'll finish in the top two of three and, and not have to worry about this uh, this secondary playoff situation in, in New Zealand in February. It's a weird one. It's a weird one, but we will obviously be doing in-depth coverage of that over the next week or so, so keep an eye on that. Right, Josh, the three European games is just basically a reverse of the, the previous week. So Celtic host Leipzig on Tuesday, Rangers host Liverpool on Wednesday, and Hearts go to Fiorentina on Thursday. Give us three predictions, please. How do you see all three games going? Just quick scoreline predictions. 
Um, I'll say two one Celtic. I think it'll be a frantic night at Parkhead, just and I'll go for. I'll think Rangers will pick up a point at home. I think they'll go one. I think they'll go one each. Um, try and get the European nights back that they had last year and just go for it. Just go for it. Positivity. Hearts. I'll just say a wee prayer for Hearts, to be honest with you. I fear for them. <clears throat> I'll say 4 0 Fiorentina. I don't want to put them down, but I would love to see them do it. I just can't. Vinny, give us a thought in the three European games during the week. I can see it. I, I can see um, I, I, this will disappoint you, but uh, I can see some heartbreak for Celtic at Parkhead. I can, yeah, I, I can see this coming definitely. I think I'm going to go two one, uh, Leipzig um, Rangers. I, I really do like your thinking there, uh, Josh. I think we we saw how brilliantly Rangers did at Ibrox last season in in that run, um, and. Yeah, the, the atmosphere will have a lot to do with it. And as you alluded to earlier, Liverpool are no great shakes at the moment. They're leaking goals. Uh, so, yeah, I'm, I'm going to go with you in that one. I think they'll sneak a wee point. And the Hearts, you know, Firenze is a, a beautiful city. I'm sure they'll have a, a, a lovely few days in Italy. Um, just maybe <laughs> not over those 90 minutes. <laughs> I tend to agree. I think <laughs> I can see I can see similar to Josh. I think Celtic could potentially do something against Leipzig because although I think Leipzig are a quality side, I think if the Celtic side get it right, I think they can give them a hell of a game, especially at Celtic Park. I'll go one each. I think that'll be a draw. I think Rangers will just come up short against Liverpool because I think Liverpool are now at the stage where they're 14 points behind in the league. They will want to make an example out of somebody and I just hope it's not Rangers. But I can see Liverpool maybe potentially just having a, a good night at the office. And yeah, I agree. I think Hearts will be very lucky to get anything out of that game against Fiorentina. So I think Rangers and Hearts will lose and I think Celtic will get a draw. So that is another weekend of Scottish football out of the way. I want to thank my guest, Vinny and Josh. Vinny, thanks for coming on. It's been a pleasure. Thank you very much. It's uh, it's been It's been really nice and uh, thanks for having me on. Pleasure. Josh, thank you very much for coming on and best of luck for the season ahead with St Cuthbert's. I've loved it, mate. Thanks very much. And if Celtic Day pull after the result on Thursday, you still will be getting a wee message off of you, don't you worry. <laughs> you've just killed my bubble there. <laughs> I was all excited and you've just brought me back right down there. <laughs> well, but thank you very much, everyone that's tuned into the show. Please follow us on social media and subscribe to our YouTube and podcast channels. And we'll see you soon. Be sure to check out the content throughout the week. Thanks very much. We'll see you soon. Cheers.